Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, the Dolphins had their competitive game, and now... We're going back to the new normal, and they're getting ready to head to Buffalo, a place where they typically don't play very well anyway, to take on a Bills team that is and 4-1, has a very good defense, a pretty good offense. Uh, I guess we can just get this game preview out of the way pretty quickly. The Bills are going to beat the crap out of the Dolphins this weekend. Am I wrong? I don't know about their offense. Uh they, they have the, the ageless wonder Frank Gore on their offense. Right. Well, they have the ageless wonder Frank Gore, who's great at, you know, four-yard runs. Uh, he's Look, I love Frank Gore. All about the U. It was fun having Frank Gore running for the Dolphins for a year. but uh, and, and I'm a fan of Josh Allen, too. But this is not some dynamic Bills offense. Uh, the vast majority, I mean, they're four and one right now, but the vast majority of their games have been close games, uh, pretty low scoring games. Their four victories have come against the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, and the Titans. And then they played the Patriots and they held their own against the Patriots. But again, their defense is legit. Aaron, the offense, Aaron, Aaron. Yeah. Name one of those teams that the Bills beat. That is worse than the Dolphins. Well, there's nobody that's worse than the Dolphins. Exactly. The point is, though, the point is, though, that you know when you're saying the Bills have a have a good defense and a pretty good offense, I don't know that their offense is pretty good. I, I would say their offense is below average. Um, and John Brown mysteriously limited in practice, coming off of the bye week with no previous uh, injury. He's their leading receiver. And now, you know, when these players come up with injuries midway through the week, it's never a good sign. And when you consider that the Dolphins are a bad football team, you know, the Bills might decide to play play it very cautiously with John Brown, especially considering John Brown is a guy who has a history, an extensive history of not being able to stay healthy. This might be a game where they say, hey, you know, if you're not 100%, we don't need you. To beat the Dolphins. And while that might be the case, you're now taking a limited offense and taking their their most dynamic receiving threat off of it. And I think the Bills look, you know, very pedestrian at best offensively. It just comes down to can we stop the run, which is obviously a huge question, and can we keep Josh Allen in the pocket? Uh, because he certainly is a guy that in his young career has shown 
the propensity to be able to to break free, go on some big long runs. Now he's done it a little bit less so far this year than he did last year. I think he's trying to stay in the pocket a little bit more, trying to deliver the ball to his receivers quicker. Um, I think that's what they're trying to do this this year uh, as opposed to last year. But he's still a guy that you know, if the play breaks down, he could still beat you with his legs. But if you could, if you can contain Josh Allen and you can stop the run, this is a Bills team that shouldn't really be able to put up more than 17 points. Now, of course, 17 points is probably good enough to beat the Dolphins because the Dolphins haven't put 17, up. 17 points has been enough to beat the Dolphins literally every week. Well, yeah. I mean, the Dolphins scored 16 last week and that was their highest scoring output of the season and they still lost uh so 17 points against a bills defense that is legit is probably probably enough to win by double digits yeah i think there's a good chance that josh allen doesn't even throw 20 passes in this game i think the bills will be very content to just run the ball at us because the dolphins have not shown any kind of ability to consistently stop the run and the aspect of josh allen being a running quarterback i think you're going to see a lot of those sort of design runs those play action sort of bootleg plays where josh allen uh you know fakes the handoff to somebody like gore up the middle and then bootlegs out and hits the outside and runs for 20 yards. I think we're going to see a lot of that in this game. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Buffalo just decided that they were going to be play a ball, very sort of ball control kind of game and just be content to just run it down our throats in this game. Because like we said, the Dolphins have shown little to no ability to stop the run. I mean, look at what happened last week against Washington. Washington made no secret about the fact that their plan was to run the ball down our throats. And that's exactly what they did. And the Bills are a significantly better team, I would say, than the Washington Redskins. I mean, it's still just how good the Bills are kind of remains to be seen because their schedule is kind of weak. And honestly, they in that game against New England that they lost, Josh Allen missed a a good chunk of that game, um, exiting with uh, concussion-like symptoms in that game. So, you know, who knows? If Josh Allen plays that whole game against the Patriots, perhaps the Bills win that one. But... Either way, I think uh, I think the Dolphins are going to be in for a pretty long day if they can't figure out how to stop the run finally against this Buffalo team on Sunday. Yeah, that that's a fair point. I do believe the Dolphins will be able to, you know, do a little bit of a better job stopping the run. I look, Adrian Peterson definitely over the hill at this point of his career, but he's still a guy that will occasionally flash brilliance of the player that he used to be Frank Gore uh is not going to give you that big like jump step cutback kind of move where he flashes back to the player that he was you know in his mid-20s because frankly even in his mid-20s he wasn't that kind of runner he's a very much he's very much a straight ahead downhill runner that will just attack the hole and if the hole is there he will hit it hard and if there's space he will he will run for you know until somebody catches him but he's not going to make that many guys miss and so I think you kind of know what you're going to get with Frank Gore you're going to get about four yards of carry he's he's at 4.4 yards of carry which is still incredibly impressive at this at at his age at, at the age of 36 but uh I don't think you're going to get 
anything fancy from him. I just think you're going to get good, tough running. I think the Dolphins will do a better job of not allowing the big play, at least in the running game, at least from Frank Gore. Um, I think this game could look very similar to to that Washington game. But one thing that we haven't talked about is when the Dolphins have the ball, uh, can they have a spark of offense in this game in spite of the fact that Buffalo's defense is legit? Will they get a spark of offense from Ryan Fitzpatrick being their starting quarterback? Big change this week. So after just a few days removed from Brian Flores after the Washington game saying that Josh Rosen is still going to be the quarterback for this team going forward, He makes the announcement that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter for the Dolphins on Sunday at Buffalo. And and it's called it. You you did call it. I'm curious what this means, not necessarily for Rosen, but for what the Dolphins plan to do with Rosen. Is this an effort? Is is benching Rosen here an attempt? to perhaps preserve whatever value he has left as far as on trade potential? Is this an opportunity to try to preserve that and maybe like bring him back onto the field at a time where there's a little bit of a better opportunity, where he's up against some defenses that maybe aren't as strong as Buffalo, and maybe there's an opportunity for him to you know, sort of bump up his trade value again late in the season in some sort of garbage time? Or is this just the Dolphins have decided that, look, Josh Rosen is is not the guy and legitimately Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to give us a better chance to win and dag nabbit, we're going to do everything we can to try to win a game. Oh, man, you turned into Bobby Bowden, a dag nabbit. Listen. I, listen, if Brian Flores doesn't strike you as the kind of guy that says Dag Nabbit, I don't know what to tell you. He seems like a kind of guy who drops. A I Dag think. Nabbit. I think there's a. I think there is a little bit of validity to both of those things that you said, both of those uh, takes. But I really just think that what this is is first and foremost. I do think this is Ryan Fitzpatrick gives the team the best chance to win the game, and it's Brian Flores' job no matter how much the organization wants to lose and no matter how much us as the fans agree that, you know, the the best thing for this team to do is lose, you still have to know that it's Brian Flores' job to win and that everybody in that locker room is trying to win. And if there was any doubt of that, just go listen to Bobby McCain's post-game interview uh, after the loss against Washington, hear the frustration in his voice, and understand that these guys, while they know organizationally what the plan is they want to win games and that is a good thing because you don't want these guys to go out there and not try to win you want them to try to win you want them to play hard you want them to buy in and you want them to play as well as they possibly can and still lose now ryan fitzpatrick you look after watching the last couple weeks and certainly watching last week you have to you have to look at this and you have to look Ryan Fitzpatrick clearly has a better grasp of this offense the offense responds to him and he provides a sort of spark 
that this offense truly needs. So if they're truly trying, you know, if, if, if the plan was not to tank, let's put that aside for a second. If the Dolphins were two and three, or, uh, yeah, two and three coming into this game, and this was an opportunity to go to 500, there would be no doubt as to who you'd want the starting quarterback to be going into this game. You'd want it to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. So Brian Flores kind of owes it to his team to give his team the best chance to win. Now, aside from that, I don't think it's about protecting Josh Rosen, but I think Josh Rosen has regressed and he's got happy feet. He looks, he's looked more hesitant now over the past week and a half than he did when he first got in. So I think it's time for him as a, as a step in learning to take a step back and just sit this one out and, you know, get, go back to the drawing board, so to speak. Uh, I, I just think th- that he's not going to do, you know, the, the plan is still to develop him, but if he's broken and he's developing bad habits, you can't just keep throwing him out there and reinforcing the bad habits. You've got to fix these things because ultimately you want him to get better and he's not going to get better if you keep doing the same things. The other side of it is that it is not all about Josh Rosen. And and in fact, even if it was all about Josh Rosen, I think we're all pretty much to the point where if we keep throwing Josh Rosen out there, we already know that Josh Rosen is not the guy. So, like, what's the point? I mean, we're not we're not learning that Josh Rosen is is a franchise quarterback. There's there's virtually nothing that Josh Rosen could do at this point that can prove that he's going to be the long term answer as a franchise quarterback for this team. At this point, the only uncertainty is whether or not Josh Rosen is even good enough to be the backup here going forward to who to whatever quarterback we draft next year. And right now, I would say he's behind Ryan Fitzpatrick in that regard. So it's not all about Josh Rosen. You also have other guys on this team because it's about evaluating all of the pieces on the team and all of the pieces on the offense going forward so that you know who's going to stick long term, who we need to draft, what positions we need to address in free agency in the draft. So when it comes to uh, the offensive line. You want to get a fair assessment on this offensive line. Look, the offensive line is not good, but if the quarterback's holding the ball too long, the timing is off, and therefore he's giving up more sacks, you know, that's not giving you a fair assessment of the offensive line. The wide receivers. Hard to get a fair assessment of the wide receivers if the ball's not coming out on time, guys are open and the ball isn't getting to them, the ball is coming out inaccurate. Uh, running backs that are coming out of the, you know, that are coming out of the backfield on, on passing routes, tight ends like Mike Gesicki, you know, you've got to get fair assessments on all of these guys. And in order to do that, you need competent quarterback play. That was why Ryan Fitzpatrick was brought in because it wasn't to win games. It was to evaluate the rest of the offense by having a competent quarterback. And that was the whole idea with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And 
if Josh Rosen was playing at least competent quarterback, then there would be no need to make a quarterback change. But because he's not, and because Ryan Fitzpatrick will give you that, I think that's why you're getting the quarterback change. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that that's um, something that the Dolphins are going to have to deal with going forward. I think Fitzpatrick is the guy that made this offense in the fourth quarter of that game against Washington look better than it's looked at any point this season. I think that's undoubtable that this offense looked better in the fourth quarter against Washington when Fitzpatrick came into the game than it did at any point uh, prior in this season. So I think going back to Fitzpatrick is the right move as far as, as you mentioned, evaluating the rest of the talent around him. And, you know, Fitzpatrick seems to have, at least in spurts, that ability to make the team around him better. And I think that's a very good thing for the Dolphins going forward. Hopefully, he doesn't make them better to the point where they start winning games that they're not supposed to win. But uh, <laughs> well, know, here's the thing with that's the with, danger with, with Fitzpatrick. Well, here's the thing with Fitzpatrick. I, I mentioned this on our last show is that uh, of 35 qualifying quarterbacks who have thrown at least 14 or more passes this season, Josh Rosen is 35th in the league in quarterback rating. 34th on the list is Ryan Fitzpatrick. You like to make uh, poker analogies. Benching Josh Rosen for uh, for Ryan Fitzpatrick is like throwing away a seven deuce in favor of like a nine five. You, you yes, the nine five is the better hand, but not by much. They're both still trash. Yeah, it's <laughs> well. It, listen, it's going to be trash, and it's going to be what it is. But the, the fact is, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday as they head into Buffalo. Is it going to be enough to get a win for the Dolphins? I don't think so. I'm going to make my prediction here. I believe that the Buffalo Bills are going to defeat your Miami Dolphins by a score of twenty-seven to nine. All right, and. Uh... I think this is going to be a close game. One thing I I, I like about Ryan Fitzpatrick is, uh, you know, and you saw it in that Washington game, and maybe this lends credence to why he should be coming off the bench, is he's kind of like, he's got that, like, that Hulk Hogan ultimate warrior thing about him where he hits these moments and he, he like, hulks up and he goes, like, he turns into like this invincible guy where he looks like a hall of famer for like little stretches. And I kind of feel like we, we haven't really seen that game from him. You know, we saw it at the, at the, the first month of the season last year when he was with the bucks, he was like the best quarterback in the world for about a month. And then he turned back into Ryan Fitzpatrick. He did it for a time with the, with the jets. He does. He, he's a very streaky quarterback and we kind of got a, a glimpse of it last week. I really think the offense is going to get a spark. Now the, the bills have a very good defense. And the Dolphins still have a very bad offensive line. So I don't think <laughs> when I say we're going to get a spark, I'm not expecting us to put up 30. Uh, but I do think we're going to be able to scheme some things. And I think the Dolphins might get off to a hot start in this game. And uh, 
I believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the spark for this offense, and we're going to put some points up. The offense is going to look competent for a little while. Then the Bills are going to figure them out, and then the Bills are going to grind us out. And Fitzpatrick is going to lead a late rally, but ultimately we're going to fall short. And the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game 20-19. to Oh, so the Dolphins are going to cover here for the second straight week. I believe that this is going to be a close game. In fact, I don't even know that I wanted to go lower scoring than this. Uh, because I don't believe that the Bills are going to be able to put up a lot of points unless, of course, we give them turnovers, which that's entirely possible. Uh, but I believe that the Dolphins will lose this game, but I also believe that the Dolph- that Ryan Fitzpatrick will give them a spark of offense. So I, th- I feel like we're going to put up some points in this game, but I don't want to pick the Dolphins to win. <laughs> uh, so I, this one kind of scares me because it feels like it might be the Ryan Fitzpatrick game where we win a game that we're not supposed to because Ryan Fitzpatrick goes Fitzmagic on us. It really does feel like that, but I'm going to just stick with the fact that the Bills are a much better team. The Dolphins are still bereft of talent, no matter how much Ryan Fitzpatrick hulks up or uh, goes Fitzmagic on him. I still say we fall short, but I think it's going to be a very close game. Very good. A close game. Now, we've got some other news that we're going to talk about here on this show, but first, I want to get our plugs in in the middle of the show, because we typically do them at the end, which is probably where you turn the podcast off, but we've got more to talk about today, so we're going to put you some plugs right in the middle of the show. How about it? The Brain is on Twitter, at Aaron the Brain. I am at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins, and we encourage everybody, if you haven't done so yet, to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating, and leave us a positive review. It really helps the show out a lot. We're also available in every place that you can get your podcast. So Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Luminary, SoundCloud. We're on all those places. If there's any place that you'd like to listen to the show or like to listen to your podcast where the show is not available, let us know and we'll do what we can to get uh, the show on that service. Don't forget, we're also on DolphinsTalk.com. Every episode of the show is over there. It is really your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins, so make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com every single day. And of course, our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Dolphins, is a very good place to find every episode of the show and engage in some conversation with us over there as well. All right, some additional news that we need to talk about here today. Brain, it was reported earlier this week that Brian Flores is not going to lose his job under any circumstances this season. He is secure in his job. He was given a five-year guaranteed contract. And, you know, most, I guess the deal with most starting head coaches is they get a four-year deal and a fifth-year option. Well, they basically decided with Flores that that first year is going to be a wash because it's it's the teardown year. And so they've guaranteed him his position. He is not going to get fired. And to me... Brain, I think that gave me a lot of information because we've talked quite a bit on this show, at least we did early in the season and in preseason. We talked about how this is essentially a 17-week extended preseason for the Miami Dolphins. And we've talked about, well, were there moments that we were concerned about some of the decisions that Brian Flores and his staff were making? And I think 
finding out that he is absolutely secure in his job, at least for me, explains a little bit because that makes me feel like, well, there's no reason then for him to go too terribly hard at trying to show wrinkles and trying to strategize in different ways. I think this is a year about introducing a philosophy sort of off the field, introducing a philosophy as it comes, as it you know, pertains to practice. As far as on-field things, you're trying to implement new strategies and new defensive and offensive looks, but you don't really have the personnel to execute it in the best way. So you're not having to dig in too deep and get too terribly creative with everything because why show your hand over the course of a season that ultimately doesn't mean anything other than the fact that you know, your head coaching resume is going to start with an 0-16 on it. Um, and be that as it may, this is a guy who is secure in his job and knows that he doesn't need to necessarily get too fancy. He doesn't need to fight to get every single win, which is something that we've seen from Dolphin staffs before. It was a very Adam Gase thing, was I'm going to fight and kick and try to do everything I can to win every single game, even if it doesn't mean anything, even if it means just being a mediocre team, the difference between being a five-loss team and a seven-loss team, uh, Flores is just taking a very conservative approach, and he is secure in the knowledge that next year, when this rebuild has actually begun, that that is when I think we can start to see him really digging down deep and starting to, to show us a few things, and that he seems to be very content in just sort of letting things play out, playing out the string, if you will. Uh, Brand, did you have any reaction to uh, at least those thoughts or the idea that Flores is safe in his position? Um, well, I'm going to start with what you said. Uh, I I don't agree. Uh, if you think that Brian Flores is going out there and like not doing everything that he can to win football games because his job is safe, then his job shouldn't be safe. I don't believe that that's the case. I think he's doing what he can. I agree that, yeah, the reason we're not seeing every single wrinkle yet is because there's a ton of roster turnover and they're trying to teach philosophy and they're trying to get their guys in and they don't have all the guys that they want to run the kind of defense that they want to run. Offensively, I I don't think, I mean, I think they're going to run what they run. They just... They, they don't have a very good quarterback and they don't have a very good offensive line. So they're, they're going to be very limited offensively. Uh, and defensively, I think they're trying to install things more and more, but virtually the entire defense, I mean, it's getting, it, it's new guys every week. I mean, it's new. Taco Charlton wasn't on the team until a couple weeks ago. Christian Wilkins is a rookie. Uh, Nick Needham, you know, was signed off the practice squad. Uh, Webster has just been on the team for a couple of weeks. Parker on the team for a couple of weeks. You know, there, there's a lot of roster turnover. You're not going to throw a bunch of things at these guys when, when they've just joined the team because you saw how that worked out the first week of the season against the Ravens when we had all of that roster turnover and half the roster was here for about a week. And we lost 59 to 10 because nobody knew what the heck they were doing in week one. So I don't think he's taking a conservative approach because he feels like his job is safe. I think he's 
trying to, I think they're focusing on fundamentals. They're trying to figure out what players want to be here, what players are buying in, and they're trying to install things piece by piece as the season goes on. Um, as for his job being safe, yeah, I, 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 it's obvious that organizationally they, they've tear, they've torn everything down. So, uh, I think it's fair to say that his job is safe. Now, I'd have to go back and either listen to the, the quote or reread it. Was anything said about Chris Greer? Uh, I don't recall hearing exactly, but I, I seem to feel like he was safe as well. But I don't, I don't, let me see if I can't uh, dig up the quote and I'll get back to you on that. Because whether he was, whether he's safe or not, Brian Flores, I feel like it's kind of hard to grade the guy at this point because the team is obviously bereft in talent. As long as the team is out there and they're playing hard and you get the sense that they're playing hard and they're they're being at least somewhat competitive on a week-to-week basis, I think Brian Flores is safe and I think he should be safe. There's a reason why they gave him, you know, the five-year guaranteed contract when he signed we knew this was going to be ugly um short of just the team looking absolutely disastrous like every week uh, a a full-scale mutiny like we saw with Adam Gase uh you know players just absolutely visibly not trying then yeah his job should be fit should be safe but Chris Greer's job should not be safe I'm not saying that Chris Greer necessarily should be fired. No information about Chris Greer's job status, by the way. But I don't believe that Chris Greer's job should be safe because this year is about evaluating the talent on the roster and the majority, I mean, the talent on this roster was mostly assembled by Chris Greer, especially the draft picks. So when you're evaluating guys and and you're talking about how the goal is to have all of these picks and you know going forward and that's how we're going to rebuild this thing is through picks well let's take a look at the picks that Chris Greer has made over the past few years since he's been the GM and do we feel confident that Chris Greer is the guy that should be taking these picks so uh Jerome Baker, he doesn't look very good right now. Um, our, our, you know, Mike Gesicki, yeah, he's got flashes. Durham Smythe, good blocking tight end. Uh, but, you know, nothing, nothing spectacular. Our, our draft this year, Christian Wilkins, yeah, he's been okay. He seems to be getting better, but he hasn't really made a huge impact. Michael Dieter looks not very good to be, to be uh, optimistic, I mean, I mean, the truth is he's looked bad at guard. Uh, we haven't seen Andrew Van Ginkle yet because he's been hurt. Miles um, Gaskin isn't on the roster. Uh, Chandler Cox, the fullback, he hasn't really made any kind of impact so far on this team. Uh, all these draft picks over the past couple of years, you know, where are they? Where's the impact? Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick and Laramie Tunsil aren't here anymore, and those are good players, but those are first-round picks. You're supposed to hit on those. Where are the other players on this roster that Chris Greer has picked that are that are showing up? I mean, Charles Harris is an absolute bust right now. Um, so if this team goes 0-16... 
Yes, I get that that's the plan. Also, Josh Rosen, look, you traded a second and a fifth for Josh Rosen. And right now, he doesn't even look like he can be a backup on the worst team in the NFL. So you gave away a second and a fifth for him. That's not looking very good right now. Do you have confidence in Chris Greer? I understand if you get the number one pick in the draft, you're going to take Tua and it's a no-brainer. But one, what if you don't get the number one pick? Do you have confidence that Chris Greer is going to take the right guy? And two, it's more than just the number one pick because you have all these other picks. Do you have faith that Chris Greer is going to take the right guys with those picks? And as this season wears on, If we don't see some of these younger players that Chris Greer drafted make an impact, it's not about wins and losses, but if they don't make an impact, I don't think Chris Greer's job should be safe. I think that's a very fair argument right there, and it's something that we're going to keep our eye on, and I think it's something that a lot of people, I think you hear it for a lot of people who are skeptical of the tank strategy, you hear a lot of people thinking, well... You know, there are better ways to get good picks or, you know, to to build this team. And and the way to do it is by drafting well and being smart with your draft picks. And that's not something that the Dolphins have shown a propensity to do. And, you know, and I think that's a fair argument. And it's certainly something to be skeptical of. And especially when we haven't really seen any of these picks that Chris Greer has made really pan out. Um, thus far. So then again, he's really only had the one draft that was primarily his draft, but there's there's certainly reason for there to be Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Only one draft? Well, I mean, there have been the, a lot of uh, Mike Tannenbaum drafts and things like that that have been going back a while. So, so which draft? which draft does he get credit for then? This last one. Okay, so then he doesn't get credit for Xavier Howard, and he doesn't get credit for Laramie Tunsil, and he doesn't get credit for Minka Fitzpatrick. That's even worse. So, you know, listen, it, there's, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve any of the credit, but I'm not, I'm also not saying that he deserves all of the credit or all this of the, the blame. This is the problem that I have with, with Chris Greer, and it's why I was opposed to Chris Greer being named the GM. Uh, when this, when, when Tannenbaum was fired or reassigned or whatever, uh, it's that Chris Greer somehow by not being the head of football operations, in spite of the fact that he was the GM has somehow escaped criticism when things have gone wrong, but has still managed to collect credit when think for things that have gone right. And that is the biggest problem I have with this whole Chris Greer thing. The guy's been here for for a decade. He's he was the director of college scouting, which means he had a lot of input on our drafts. Then he was the GM and the understanding that w- was that while he ne- didn't necessarily have final say, he was primarily in charge of the draft while Tannenbaum was in charge of free agency and ultimate final say and roster construction. But but Chris Greer has been here for a decade and he's had a lot of say on who we draft. And our drafts over the last 10 years have been largely, you know, C, C minus. 
So it it to me it it's very frustrating when people heap praise on him for being uh you know some fresh face some new kid on the block who's only been in charge for a couple of years because and so he he somehow escapes the blame but then and then in the same say and that's fine if you don't want to blame him for the things that have happened over the last decade and you want to say okay he's brand new that's fine but then don't give him credit for for the drafts like you know, where, where you get Raekwon McMillan and Laramie Tunsil and Xavier Howard, because if you're going to give him credit for that, you got to give him blame for the other ones that didn't work out. Yeah. I think the best thing to say about Chris Greer is that his results have been mixed. And I think his draft picks have been mixed, but I also think another part of it is that the Dolphins have really, in a lot of cases, failed to develop a lot of talent in a way that you would hope that an NFL team would develop their talent. And that's all part of the sort of the thing that makes Dolphin fans antsy and that has made Dolphin fans antsy for the past two decades. And it's going to continue to make them antsy until somehow this team is able to prove that they are, in fact, on a different trajectory than what they have been on for the past two decades. Um, I guess the only other positive thing about this is that Roger Goodell has recently said that he sees no evidence that anybody is tanking. So maybe Roger Goodell just thinks that Chris Greer is a terrible GM. So I think that well, I think that I think that Roger Goodell is looking at it and and looking at the way that he should and understanding that tanking is you know the, the word is you know conjures up all these all these things and all these emotions about like you know what exactly is it organizationally the dolphins are tearing everything down they're essentially rebuilding it is a rebuild year and they have gone full scale rebuild blow the whole thing up if you want to call it tanking you could call it tanking but as long as the players and the coaches are trying to win then there's really nothing that Roger Goodell can do about it. And that's what Roger Goodell is saying when he says there's no evidence of tanking. Absolutely. And I think that's something that I think a lot of people have a misconception of what a tank is. It's not players going out there and throwing games and lying down on purpose. It's it's the organization putting themselves in a position to lose games from a personnel perspective because they just don't have talent to compete on the level with all of the rest of the teams in the NFL. So you can have all the fans out there who are refused to say that this team is tanking because the players are trying to win. Well, of course they're trying to win. That's, that's absurd to think that the players wouldn't be out there doing their best. This isn't the, uh, the black Sox scandal of early 1900s where the, you know, Chicago White Sox threw had players throwing games because they were working with the mafia to purposely lose games in the World Series. This is players going out there and doing their best to win. It's just players who, as a whole, are not on the same level uh, as even a, a bad NFL team. This is one of the worst teams in NFL history when it comes to a talent perspective, and probably by the end of the year, may be cemented as the worst team 
in NFL history. But I think that's where we're going to leave it for this episode of the same old Dolphin Show. Unless you, want, you have more you to say. Do you want to talk about this tweet? Do you want to talk about this tweet? Oh, this Kenyon, the uh, the Kenyon Drake thing. Yeah, I guess we can talk about that real quick before we go. We got to wrap up here pretty soon. But yes, in fact, the Dolphins have been, as reported by Ian Rappaport, the Dolphins have been in active conversations with several teams about moving Kenyon Drake. Uh, the Dolphins obviously have not had any contract extension talks with Kenyon Drake. I think the writing has really been on the wall since probably the end of last season that this that the Dolphins were not going to renew Kenyon Drake. I mean, with with the breakout performance that Caleb Bellage had last year, you started to feel like Kenyon Drake isn't necessarily a vital piece of this Dolphins rebuilding effort. And it looks like they're now actively shopping him. And I think if the Dolphins can get I don't know. What would be the best value that they could possibly get for Kenyon Drake? Uh, I'm sure they could get at least a third round pick for him. I don't know about that. I'd be honestly, I, I'd be amazed if they got anything better than a fourth. Really? Uh, at this point. Um, and like, you know, I had high hopes for Kenyon Drake. I thought he was going to have a breakout year and that would mean like a better compensatory pick at the end of the year when, when we let him go. But at, at the rate where we're on at, we're at right now, uh, I don't think he's going to put up the numbers or get the kind of contract that is going to give us anything more than like a fifth or a sixth round compensatory pick, if anything. So I think you take what you can get. Obviously, I, I don't know that I would take a fifth rounder for him, but uh, I would probably take a fourth or better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Every pick that you can get is going to be helpful if the guy's not going to be here long term. But, you know, if there's enough teams that are in the market for a running back and you can leverage them against one another, then who knows? Maybe it only takes one stupid team to give you a uh, higher value than than they should. And the one place where I will I will say, hey, Chris Greer, you've done a, you've done a pretty good job is he's done a pretty good job in in trading uh, players for for these draft picks and and leveraging teams against each other and and getting the most out of these trades. So hopefully uh, we we will trade Kenyon Drake and we'll get something of value. It'd be pretty awesome if we got another third round pick for Kenyon Drake uh, because you know a third round pick that that could be another pick in the top hundred top hundred twenty. Uh, the Jawan James compensatory pick is in jeopardy of falling to a fourth rounder uh, because he's missed uh, five, uh, five or six games already and he has to play at least 10 games for uh, the the compensatory pick to still be a third rounder. So we need Jawan James to stay healthy and play every single game the rest of the year to still collect that third round pick from Denver. Um, so uh, any any extra pick in that, you know, an extra third round pick to kind of make up for that would be amazing. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I imagine that there's a good chance that by the time we record the Bills postgame show that we will have some news on Kenyon Drake. Maybe not. Maybe it'll extend to next week. But usually when we're when you're getting the report that the conversations are happening, that means that we're getting close to a deal somewhere. So I think we may have some news by the time we next 
record. But uh, that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. So uh, in the meantime, we already did all the plugs, so we don't have to do them here. So in the meantime, uh, make sure you visit DolphinsTalk.com every single day. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain, at Sam Old Dolphins. And then take care of yourselves and each other. And we will talk to you again next time. In the words of O.J. Simpson, take care. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!